you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Hi, my name is Janine Garner and I am the host of this podcast, Unleashing Brilliance, a podcast that is dedicated to finding out the backstory behind individuals uncovering their own brilliance, whether it be in leadership, in business, in sport, in entertainment, wherever it may be. What is it that makes the difference between those that are able to unlock their individual brilliance and those that keep it hidden? And through this storytelling, I hope to share with you their insight, uh, their learning and their understanding about what brilliance means to them. And today's guest is the fabulous Neen James. Um, I have been following Neen's story and her journey for a number of years now, and it was wonderful to finally connect with Neen uh, whilst she is based over in the US and uh, calling in virtually from here in Sydney. Neen is passionate about helping individuals drive exceptional performance through paying attention. She is a global keynote speaker, author of many books, her latest Attention Pays. And for the last two decades, she's been advising some of the coolest companies in the world, including Viacom, Paramount Pictures, and even the FBI on how to improve their strategic planning communication and leadership development. What Neen is obsessed about is actually increasing awareness of intentional attention. How do you pay more attention to the people that matter, the work that matters, and how do you go about uh, paying attention in the right way to make sure that you are driving exceptional performance, whether that be through connection, Uh, for sales and business performance, or even for yourself. She's passionate about changing our attention levels across the planet, because as she says, we have become obsessed and addicted to vanity metrics, and we need to forget that and start understanding the power of attention and how that can drive your performance and the performance of people around you. Please sit down and relax and enjoy this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance with the amazing Neen James. Uh, I'm so thrilled this morning to have on my podcast the incredible pocket rocket that is Neen James. I feel like I've been stalking Neen for years following her journey uh, as an Aussie going over to the US and uh, just watching the incredible work and the impact that she's doing. So it's a joy to have you on the show today. Welcome Neen. G'day. It's so funny that you say the pocket rocket because, well, that was what I was known as in Australia. I remember when I lived in Oz and we had an American speaker come over by the name of Tim Gard, a funny guy, dear friend. And I used to host him. We would go and have delicious meals on Sydney Harbour. And he said to me, Neen, have you ever Googled pocket rocket? And I was like, no, no, it's just what everyone calls me here. He said, well, if you ever end up working in the US, this is way before we ended up moving here. He said, I want you to Google it and see what it is. And he said, you'll really appeal to the female market, but maybe not in the way you think. And I was like, okay, cool. 
So, in the US, a pocket rocket is a vibrator. So, hence, I dropped the branding when I moved to the US. <laughs> oh, well, that's a first. That's a first, talking about vibrators on the podcast. Oh, well, she is She is not one of those, but she's definitely Energizer Bunny, full of <laughs> energy. That's what I get called by all the meeting planners here. That one, that sticks. I like the Energizer Bunny, for sure. Oh, fabulous. Um, so, Neen, just, just for our audience, um, can you share a little bit about what, what it is that you do and how you ended up doing what you do? Yeah, I grew up in corporate business in Australia. So I worked in retail, banking, telecommunications, the oil industry. There was not a lot of chicks in oil when I was there. Uh, as an attention expert, I am obsessed with getting the world to really pay attention to what matters. You know, I think, Neen, that when Companies pay attention, they make more money, our relationships are deeper, and we take care of the planet on which we live. And so I've been very privileged to work with some super cool brands across the globe. And yes, I do get called the Energizer Bunny by all my clients. But I think what's unique about me, Janine, is being an Australian, I have a global perspective, but I also became an American citizen. So I also have a local perspective as well. I've authored lots of books in this whole idea of productivity and attention. And You know, I think what often happens is I see so many clients and they say things like, gosh, there's never enough hours in the day, or they say things like, there's so much to do, I don't even know where to focus. And, you know, in the time of the world where there is a situation where everyone is working remotely and working from home, so many of them are just saying to me, Nina, I just, I don't even know kind of how to focus on what matters anymore. And so that's what I fix. So I have been a keynote speaker for over 15 years and uh, all those wonderful ballrooms and boardrooms I've got to present in are now virtual. So I uh, relocated from Sydney City and moved to uh, the US nearly 15 years ago now, Janine, and that's where, while I still call Australia home, I don't think you can ever take Australia out of the girl. I love what I do here in the US and I have had this opportunity to just get people to pay attention more because I... I think the reason I do what I do is I just want people to pay attention because that's how we create these significant moments now more than ever before when people are so overwhelmed and they're so addicted to all of their devices. Now is the time where we really need people to pay attention and focus on what matters. And when did you first start noticing that this was your area of expertise this was the thing that mattered can you remember way back and maybe share a story of when you noticed that that was the critical difference the ability to pay attention and connect at a deeper level to get the results um, versus the superficial sort of existing through life yeah I remember having this conversation with Matt Church when I had left my corporate job in Australia And we were talking about the whole idea of, you know, as a thought leader, what's your expertise? And many of the listeners would know Matt Church and the work he does with Thought Leaders Global. And if you don't, then fix that. Go Google him. But one of the things we were talking about in Seaforth, we were sitting on this bench and he was asking me about my intellectual property and what my knowledge was. And we talked about this whole idea of productivity. And I was like, well, that's silly. I don't want to talk about productivity. Everybody knows how to be productive. And I remember him looking me in the eyes and he said, no, Neen, they don't. And you do have a unique perspective. Because my perspective was always, Janine, you can't manage time. That's just stupid. Like, that's a stupid concept because we all get the same amount of time every day, right? So you and I get the same amount of time. doesn't matter how rich you are, how poor you are. Time's not 
prejudice. It doesn't care. And what I realized is you can't manage time, but you can manage your attention. And so while my initial body of work was very focused on productivity, how do you get more done, you know, and then just get on with it. What I realized with all the conversations I was having with clients and presentations and mentoring people that really attention was the evolution of productivity. And so I think the conversation of yesterday is very much how do I get more done because people were desperate for that. But then I realized in order for us to truly show up the best that we can in the world and to serve the world, we really need to decide who deserves our attention what deserves our attention and how we're going to pay attention in the world. And so that's how the whole uh, attention message evolved too. It was actually a conversation with Mark Sanborn. I was sitting, uh, Mark's a great speaker, a leadership speaker. I was sitting in his office and we were looking at a rebranding strategy and and he said, Neen, what do you want? And I said, I just want the world to pay attention. I was mad. Like it was, it came out of this frustration, Janine. And he said, yeah, of course you do, because that's what you're about. And that's when we started playing with the words. And that's how the book Attention Pays came about as well. Two very influential men in my life, Matt Church and Mark Sanborn. And when you talk about it it matters, like that rant that you had, uh, because it's one of the, those words, attention, I, I, I feel it's a bit like, you know, people talking about agility or collaboration or, you know, even diversity to some extent. It's a word that people hook onto, but it's only when you go deeper to understand what does it really mean? So, so for you, the rant, where did the rant come from? Why were you so angry about the world not paying attention or people not paying attention? What, what is the problem? Because I think people were getting so addicted and not just to devices, technology addiction, that's real, but they were getting addicted to vanity metrics. They were working out how many people were liking something that they did or everything was being filtered and focused. And I think attention as a word gets a, a bad rap, you know, that we, we say things like, oh, she just wants attention. You know, we have stupid words for it on social media now. So I think part of my frustration was because People were so busy seeking approval and in a negative way and doing things. They were busy for the sake of busy and relationships were being damaged. And, you know, there was, I would watch people like in my neighborhood and they, I'd see these kids like playing on a swing with their parents and the, the parent would be like pushing them on the swing. And then I would get up close and then the parent was on their cell phone. Or I would watch people in a restaurant and they'd be having this hot date, right? These two people would be having this hot date. And then I would look over and then they weren't really even talking to each other. They're on their devices. So I I started seeing more and more that we were not paying attention to the people in our life. We weren't pursuing the passions that we have. There weren't projects getting done. And I realized that the common thread was people weren't paying attention and it really sent me down this path to research it and what I what I discovered in all my conversations all the interviews I did the presentations I started delivering was that we really actually pay attention in three specific ways and so as I got clearer on what those ways were what those drivers were I realized it was actually intention that made attention valuable so that's when I really started to really push into that and say well what are the intentions behind everything and if you can really help people set up intentional attention, then you're onto something. 
Oh, I love that concept. And I couldn't agree more. I think uh, everything's become so superficial if we're not careful, very transactional. And this ability, and I know you talk about this, to deepen uh, the connection through paying um, attention to people um, is that difference. And you talk about the, this concept uh, in terms of how it can drive exceptional performance. So so when you talk about intentional attention, um, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, I think in its simplest form, it's really the choices you make and the actions you take. It's about choosing very consciously and acting very deliberately because that's how you really transform, right? And so the simplicity of the choices you make and the actions you take, you know, I think about it in a way that Let's say, think about personal attention as who deserves your attention, right? This is about being thoughtful. This is showing up in the world. And then another way we pay attention is professional attention. So what are you paying attention to? What deserves your attention? That's really about being productive, focusing on the right things. And then there's global attention, which is really how you're paying attention in the world, being responsible, being a contributor, you know, being generous. So when you think about being intentional with your attention, you want to sit back and think, well, who deserves my attention? What deserves my attention? And how am I going to pay attention in the world? And it's moving from very unconscious behavior to conscious behavior. It's moving from transactional, as you say, to intentional. That's really the basis of intentional attention. And I'm imagining that 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 concept, as as easy as it sounds, isn't necessarily easy to put in place. It almost takes (laughs) practice. Like you've got to be intentional about practicing about your intention. Oh my goodness! (laughs) And just because I write and talk about it doesn't mean I've mastered it. And so I, like everyone listening to this, am a work in progress. I have to put systems in my life. We have this program called Systems of Attention, and it's the focus of my new, my latest book that I'm writing because what I've realized is we have to put systems in place in order for us to do this. So if you think about systems of attention like um, probably, Janine, you take a shower the same way almost every day, right? We do the same thing. We have we, There are certain things we do in the shower, which we obviously don't need to go into detail on, but we probably take a shower the same way. Or for people who drive to work, you probably take the same route to work every time. And so we create these systems in our lives, these habits, these ways so that we can not have to give as much fabulous real estate from our brain to these things. And what I realized was I needed to create systems of attention in my own life and I started doing them for clients as well. And when I started to develop these systems of attention for my clients and the audiences that I serve, all of these things started to resonate and I realized that, okay, we need to be intentional with our attention and part of being intentional is creating systems of attention. Because when you create, I I really believe, Janine, that systems direct attention. So if you are really being very focused on achieving particular goals or being able to deepen relationships or achieving a particular project, then you need a system to get there. And so that's how that kind of evolved for me as well is I took it from productivity to attention to intentional attention, now systems of attention. And I think that the more systems we can create, because systems create freedom, the more systems we have, the easier it is to really invest our attention on the things that matter. So that's one of the reasons why I became a little bit obsessed with creating systems of attention. Hmm. What I'm loving listening to is the evolution of your 
your thinking, your IP, uh, the message that you're sharing with the world. Um, how do you keep going? What is what is the thing that keeps driving you to keep bettering, to keep mastering the impact that you are making on the planet? You know, I, I feel like I have been very privileged and very fortunate that from a pretty young age, I felt very called, I have this like gift of encouraging people, right? And so when you know that there is some sort of calling on your life, whatever you want to call it, and that probably sounds very woo-woo to some listeners, but I've always believed that when you stand in service and you really do approach the world from a generous heart, so you think, how can I help this person? How can I help this audience? How can I help this client? And what happens is you start to see that some thinking might work for an, a group, but that may not work for everyone. And so it forces you to come up with solutions and keep evolving your own thinking. And so I'm really driven to step into this calling that I have on my life. It happens to manifest as a keynote speaker and as an executive mentor. That tends to be the two places I play the most. So I have these very privileged conversations with heads of companies in the US and hearing their struggles, their challenges, the pain that they're experiencing, and then having to help them find solutions for that allows you to constantly keep your work evolving too. Because when I'm working with, especially some of these very senior leaders, they've got, you know, they're in charge of Fortune 50 companies. So I know that whatever we talk about has a ripple effect through their entire company, through their shareholders, through the audiences that they connect with, through their customers, their clients, their patients, their members. And so there's this massive responsibility, I think I feel, as well do you need to get it right and so being very curious about how do I help how do I serve what's a really general solution for this person so that's how the work keeps evolving too is because you realize that as technology changes the pace at which we work as the world becomes smaller uh, we need to look for alternative ways and so many of my clients have very high profile companies and so helping them stand out from their competitors requires attention and so that's why I think for me I'm constantly looking, reading, researching, inquiring and there's so many ways we can do that regardless of what your topic is, regardless of where your brilliance lies. I feel like we have a responsibility to keep evolving, to keep enhancing, to keep offering alternatives because one solution, one size doesn't fit all. We have a responsibility to step into what we're called to do. Mm. What are some of the struggles and challenges that you're witnessing, seeing, hearing right now that organisations or leaders uh, are facing in our current, at the time of recording this, we're in a global crisis. And so the world has changed that people know. And so I've likened this to the five stages of grief. And so for listeners who know what they are, you know that there's a series of like anger and denial and all of the things that go with it. And I've watched over the period of months where we've moved, some of my clients have moved into more of an acceptance. And one of the biggest changes for many is that what they knew to be true, whether that was commuting to an office or being responsible for a team they could host a meeting with or being a meeting planner who's running a thousand seat ballroom event, is their world changed. And that meant the disconnection from people and finding virtual ways to deliver the same level of connection. My clients right now have been struggling with some fundamentals. 
How do they feel productive on a day where they're massively distracted? Some of my clients are homeschooling, looking after aged parents. They have pets in their house. They have Zoom calls all day and they don't feel like they can get anything done because for some, they're suffering from this Zoom exhaustion because they're on Zoom for 10 plus hours a day. You and I were chatting about that before Mm -hmm. we jumped on the recording. And so for many of my clients, those issues that they may have had before have been magnified. Some of them have had to change their mindset. They used to, some of my clients were very anti-work from home, but they've been forced to create remote workforces and that has shown how much they can trust their employees to do the right thing. And so I feel like, Janine, depending on the industry that I'm serving, my hospital clients have some very obvious issues. My manufacturing clients have different issues to my hospitals. My media clients have very different issues to my hospital and my manufacturers. Do you know what I mean? So some industries are being impacted. Some of my clients are actually growing right now and they're busier than they've ever been to keep up with things and others are trying to reinvent themselves. So we have a responsibility to think through how can I best serve this person and by the way I'm not always the answer and so what I've been able to do is tap into the brilliant resources that I have around me the great network of brilliant people around me that I can say hey that's not my expertise but I'd love you to speak to this person who's a brilliant person on change or this person who's phenomenal at teamwork or this person who's a genius with social marketing do you know what I mean? So I feel like we have a responsibility too to bring to the clients we serve this group of people that might be able to help them, especially if we can't. Mm. And you talk there about that concept of connect with the right people around you, your network, who you're collaborating with. Who Who's in your inner sanctum? Who do you seek out for advice and counsel? Who keeps you going? I have two masterminds, one that's been going for like, I feel like forever and they are dear friends and I can text them at a moment's notice. We vacation together. We all speak. We all adore each other's partners and they are truly like family. And then I have another mastermind group called the She Noters and it's four rock star women who are truly at the top of their game. Our topics are different, but we Zoom. At the moment, we're Zooming each week uh, because we keep each other accountable. We set goals. So, And then I have an accountability partner called Tamsin. And so for me, I've put all these checkpoints, these systems in my life. Tamsin, for example, the way that our accountability relationship works is every Monday I send her my goals of what I'd like to achieve this week, personally and professionally. And then every Friday, I send her an update on how I did. Now, Janine, sometimes Thursday night I am scrambling to get things done because I don't want to let the team down, right? So I've built accountability. I think accountability is a system of attention. And so these people, uh, I can call on them at any point. We can we have ongoing text streams about sometimes ridiculous conversations, but they are, especially the she noters, these four women, we We know when someone's got a big presentation or an important pitch. We know what's happening in each other's families and we cheer each other's on from the sidelines. We provide feedback when we think it's important, but we really commit to making each other better. Yeah, it's so good. The importance of lifting each other up. I talk about surrounding yourself with eagles that are going to help you fly higher. And I think uh, that is a system. It's an intentional connection piece. Um, And you've, you've actually got to take some ownership of it now you've 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 an accomplished speaker you know you left australia and built a phenomenal career in the u.s uh your client list is enviable the work you're doing is phenomenal um but i'm imagining it hasn't all been 
champagne and unicorns and lots of sparkly things. Um, what are some of the you know, biggest challenges that, that you've faced over your career so far and how have they helped you become, shape who you are, Neen? You know, I, before this current situation, I would say that the travel is the hardest thing about the life of a speaker in the US, only because it's not like in Australia where you could wake up in Sydney in your little apartment, you could hop on a plane that goes every half an hour to Melbourne or Brisbane, you could do a lunchtime presentation, you could sign some books, take some selfies, and then you could be on a plane and home for dinner. And so I I remember, um, you know, watching the successful careers of people like Matt Church where they could, maybe they had to stay overnight occasionally, but they so many of them were brilliant at being able to organize their travel schedule because of the differences of flying in Australia versus flying in the U.S. In the U.S., obviously, with heightened security and hubs and weather and travel, that is what used to be one of my most least parts of my role. And so the travel can be very lonely. It can be very exhausting. You know, you can have to drive through a night for a client. You can have all kinds of things go wrong. If they can possibly go wrong, they will. And so I always joke with speakers that you've kind of, you earn your badges life on the road you haven't made it until you've slept in jfk airport you've driven through the night for a client you've you know had to go and buy a whole new outfit just before you step on stage um got dressed in the back of a cab these are all things that i have done because the travel in this country can be very challenging now when we come out of the global crisis it'll be fascinating to see how that's different But for every speech, you know you're going to burn two days because you have to fly in the day before, whereas you you can't even leave it to chance to fly the same day. That's just not even an option. Well, not for me anyway. And so that's something that was a big adjustment for me, Janine, was the travel component of it. That's that's sometimes very unglamorous and no one tells you about that side of it. And I remember when we first moved here, my husband, Andy, said to me, are you sure you want to do this in the US? I was like, of course, it's amazing. It's going to be incredible. I'm going to love it. <laughs> and the travel can weigh you down. So that's one of the challenging things. But you know what's so funny? Gosh, I miss it. I miss the freedom of being in the air and getting so much work done on a plane. And I miss staying in these beautiful hotels and sometimes ugly hotels, let's be honest. So, but I do, I do miss the travel, I must admit, in this current situation. So have you got a favourite failure that you can share? Oh, gracious. Like there's (laughs) so many to choose from. Where do I go? Like, oh my lordy. Uh, there's not, I mean, there's so many. There are so many failures. I think, oh, gracious. You know, I remember creating this product when I first moved here, thinking because I traveled so much, I thought it would be really fun for people to have like a how to travel productively product. So I went to the trouble of creating it, writing it, even did a stupid photo shoot for it. <laughs> I did not sell one single product. <laughs> and so sometimes I think we create an isolation or stupidity on my yeah. part, I guess. But like everyone thought it was such a great idea until they had to, you know, actually pay for it. And it was such a funny reminder to me that sometimes we think we have this really great idea. And unless you focus group it and your clients are really asking you for it, you can have all the brilliant ideas under the sun. 
But unless there is a need for the particular thing you have, then don't rush out and spend money on it and certainly don't do a stupid photo shoot for it until you've tested it. Oh, honey, I have so many failures. That's just one. (laughs) It's like a classic example of mean, attention pays. (laughs) figure, right? Don't you say that we need to teach what we need to learn? Hey, totally. (laughs) So so you're you're so – love the fact that this is your area of expertise you're teaching people everywhere this concept of attention pays to help them drive personal and professional performance whether that be sales or productivity or leadership and at the same time you openly shared I'm a work in progress too Um, you know this is something I have to have to work on Um, can you share with our listeners maybe a couple of the the systems you call them or the daily habits the systems that you put in place to manage your performance? Yeah, I, I created a daily tracker for myself because I'm a girl who loves to cross things off a list. And I bet, I wonder if there's any listeners who'd be willing to admit that they actually write things on a to-do list just so they can cross them off. Oh, like, yeah. I want, yeah, me, oh, too. yeah. <laughs> me too. And so what I realized was that it's very easy for us to focus on what our clients want, what our family wants, what our team members want. And yet, if we don't start with ourselves first and come from a place of strength, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, spiritually, then it really starts with us. And so I created a daily tracker for myself and it it, it captures, there's a system I teach called the 15-minute system, and that's about identifying your top three non-negotiable activities every single day. So one system I have is I spend 15 minutes identifying what are three things I absolutely must get done today that will move my goals forward. And that's how it started as a little tiny post-it note. That's I would write them on the post-it note very deliberately because I could carry that silly little post-it note with me everywhere, and it became a decision filtering system. But then I evolved that and I thought, well, it's more than that for me too. It's I definitely need to do that, but I also need to make sure that I work out and take care of my physical health, that I meditate and take care of my spiritual health, that I make sure that I'm drinking enough water, that I'm reaching out to people and connecting. So I created a daily tracker. I'm happy to share it with you if it's helpful for your listeners. So that was something that I do. And I created... Uh, a morning routine and there are just certain things that I do every single morning it's a system because it starts my day and that includes things like meditation it includes matcha which I love matcha so that's one of my the first thing that I drink in the morning and other systems of attention that I created is um, I made sure that I also hired a personal trainer. And the reason that that's a system in my life is because it actually financially costs me, so I don't want to let my trainer down. It keeps me accountable to my goals, and she gives me things to do between sessions. And because of the lifestyle I've chosen where I'm on the road and running for the airplanes between stupid long gates and I'm on stage for you know hours at a time, I need to have a certain level of stamina to serve my clients. So what I've been able to do is put systems in place to be able to take care of my all aspects of who I am. Because I think if we are role modeling what we believe in, our own brilliance, in my case, it's attention. I also have to pay attention to my health. I have to pay attention to my relationships. I have to pay attention to my spiritual life and all the things that are important. And so that meant I had to take a step back. And that's why just using things like a daily tracker, having a morning routine, hiring a personal trainer, these are just some of the systems I put in place to allow me to get more done. 
Mm, I couldn't agree more. It's um, it's also that concept of it's something you don't have to worry about. If you know that that's helping you function, perform at your best, um, keeping on track and not beating yourself up if you miss one thing a day. Uh, like, yeah, there's something to that. I think you're right. And while not everyone needs to hire a personal trainer, for goodness sake, there's so many things free and available online. Uh, what I I think we need to do is think about how we can be responsible for the finances that we have. So wherever you are on your journey, whatever that looks like to you, is thinking what's the best use of these resources, right? So I would give I would give up shoe shopping if I had to choose between my trainer and new shoes. I would absolutely 100% choose my trainer. So which is saying a lot, by the way. Um, but I think you have to like you just have to make these choices that are right for you and where you are in your journey. And I'm also like, I know I sound like I'm five, but I'm like a little old lady. And so I've got to keep it all together, right? And that's why these choices help these systems help. Yeah. And as you said, it's it's so that you can function at your best. Now, as you also uh, mentioned, we're recording this particular podcast right in the middle of a global crisis. And it would be remiss for me not to not to ask your advice, um, given you're an expert in this space of attention and leadership and productivity and connection. But from your from your perspective, Neen, um, knowing what you know that's going that people are experiencing around the world, you know, you're you're obviously aware of what's happening in Australia as well as where you live now, the US. What are what are some of the words of advice um, that you would share uh, to individuals listening um, that that you think could help them right now navigate these incredibly uncertain times where we continue to have many many questions and yet uh, the answers are few. There's two things that come to mind when you ask that question. The first thing is that you really need to generously share your brilliance with the world right now because that's what the world needs. Whatever you are good at, they need that true, authentic, raw, real version of you, not the filtered social media version. They need the real version of you. That's the first thing I would say because that's what's really connecting to people right now, not the super polished, overproduced, fancy version They want to know what your brilliance is and how you can help them. The second thing that I would say about that, Janine, is that we're playing the long game. I'm making choices for the long game, not the short term. And so if you have the opportunity to think about what kind of business do you want to have in 12, 18, 24 months and make decisions about that as opposed to Sometimes what I'm seeing right now is there's some very desperate things happening and you do whatever you got to do to feed your family. Like there's no judgment on that. You just need to do you. But if you have a choice, try and play the long game because playing the long game will make sure that the decisions you're making today will benefit the clients you serve in the future and also take care of them today, but that you have a business that's sustainable. So if you're self-employed, you want to think about what decisions, what are you spending your money on right now? What could you avoid spending your money on right now? What kind of long-term decisions are you making? What kind of development could you be doing? What kind of research could you be doing? Because I feel like we're never going to have this time again in history in the way that we're experiencing it right now. So people are experiencing this at very, very different levels. I have clients who are on the front lines and I have clients whose complete business has evaporated. And I have some clients that have never been more profitable than they are right now. And so I think depending on where you are in your journey, 
show the world how brilliant you are and serve very generously and serve very authentically. But also, if you have a choice, play the long game. Mm, Great advice. And yes, this podcast is all about unleashing brilliance, um, something that we are seeing uh, you intentionally committing to for yourself. What, What does unleashing brilliance actually mean to you? You know, I was thinking about this and I feel like it's it's kind of what I was saying before, that you have to generously share your expertise with the world. And by generously, I mean you have to set it free into the world and, and look for opportunities to use the brilliance that you have, the gifts you have, the calling you have. So to me, it's about generously sharing your expertise with the world. Mm, love it. Love it, Nain. It's been an absolute joy talking to you. There are so many words of wisdom. Thanks for sharing your expertise so generously. Um, you know, we do often talk about the what's next, what are you doing next, uh, what's the next project, the next book, the next piece of work. Um, but what I, the last question I'd like to ask you is, is what do you want to be remembered for? Hmm. I would hope that people would say she served her heart out and she had so much fun doing it. I would hope that they would say she was generous and she was adored by everyone who knew her. That's what I hope they would say. That's what I hope I'd be remembered for. Well, you are living and breathing what you want to be remembered for. You are one of the most generous human beings I have had the pleasure to meet virtually and hear about. As I said, I've never met you face to face, but we have connected virtually we've been I've been stalking you and uh, saying hi wherever I can and it's such a pleasure to finally get chance to connect and I want to thank you for sharing your heart with me and I hope one day soon I'll be able to join you for a glass of wine somewhere in the US it'd be wonderful to see you thank you so much for your time Neen. it's been a privilege to serve thank you for all you do in the world it makes such a big difference Thank you, Neen. You take care and please keep safe. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.